Hello there. This is Pastors of the Roundtable, the discipleship podcast of Monroe Missionary Baptist Church. What is... Okay. I got a bunch of jerks here. What's going on here? Uh, you should have said, take care now. Take care now. <laughs> this will be a couple weeks removed from that. So you know what? I wish I was there. I know. Yeah, no, listen, there. listen, listen. I Okay, so also did the I number like, one thing is... Take care now. <laughs> the number one thing you guys should all remember is... I mean, stand and Whenever say. I said that, whenever <laughs> I say that you and I go off... Standing. I went off script. That was script. yesterday, right? Not, I said, yeah. take care. Yeah. He was and making fun of you. I was making fun of Scott. <laughs> he was. <laughs> take luck. You ever seen I that told video? him, <laughs> I told him, I said, you want to keep an eye on your kids afterwards? Cause pastor Scott's probably going to mm-hmm. have them riled up. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Got then him in, all messed but up. But in yeah. doing that, yeah, like yeah. I went off script Yeah, and what came out was <laughs> take care. So take hey, care. Hey, take, take care. So, take yeah. care, everybody. <laughs> take care. And then you you're like, I mean, I mean, <laughs> take care. See y'all. I'm here all week. I'm here all week, everybody. I'm here. Yeah. Um, take care. Uh, you can stay. I'm leaving. Yeah. Yeah. That was horrible. And then they go back to the pew, and I just like. <laughs> Yeah, you shake I was your laughing. Head. I couldn't help. I like, sit back there and I'm like, "Oh my goodness, what a moron!" <laughs> I feel like that almost every week after doing announcements. I, I don't think like you. I, I feel like you do a great job. I feel stupid. Oh no, it was I, awesome. See, I have that less words funny. to say than you do, and you and always seem like you say more. Do I? I don't know. Okay. No, I like it. You do a good job. I think you do a good job. Yeah. I feel like I'm anyway. Just so, but when I go off script, it's not good. Yeah. So don't go off script. Right. It was funny. I never that see you funny. carry a script up funny. there. It was awesome. Yeah. Do you have a graphic like, memory? Because then you're like, I mean, let's sing. Let's, let's <laughs> like sing. Just hesitate. stand. Just let's sing. We should care. probably pray let's again. Sing. We should probably pray again. I'll just do the benediction and we'll leave. You guys got to redo that. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Okay. Well, this is Pastors of the Roundtable. Let's just go into our topic. I'm skipping the intro. I'm tired of repeating don't it. Don't go off script. I'm tired of repeating it. Yeah. You not. You don't do very good when you go off script. Yeah. Uh, whatever. Um... Okay, so we are here. We've talked last week about um, how Christ has organized the church. This week we're going to talk about um, how does Christ call um, and put in place pastors and deacons? Because last week we talked about the church is made up of officers and members, and uh, the officers are twofold, uh, pastors and deacons. So we have two offices to be filled, um, uh, these shepherds uh, who emphasize, I, it's interesting, I mean, I thought about this later, uh, when, one time when I was working on this, um, I guess last week or so, but I was thinking about how uh, pastors are those who they labor and emphasize the, emphasize, um, the faith and they do it in a loving way. And then deacons are those who labor in love within the faith. Um, so you have faith and love being worked out because um, deacons are still supposed to hold the mystery of the faith and such. But um, anyway, so we're talking about how the church calls these people, these men, um, into uh, this these positions, these places. Um, and so I want to read paragraph 9 of the 1689 Baptist Confession. It says this, The way appointed by Christ, notice again, by the way, by Christ, appointed by Jesus Christ for the calling of any person, fitted and gifted by the Holy Spirit, unto the office of bishop or elder in a church, is that he be chosen thereby thereunto by the common suffrage of the church itself, 
and solemnly set apart by fasting and prayer with imposition of hands of the eldership of the church, if there be any before constituted therein, and of a deacon, that he be chosen by the like suffrage and set apart by prayer and the like imposition of hands. So, um, let me see, where am I at here? Yeah, so we got calling, and we have the process by which Jesus Christ has appointed for us to call any person um, that he has fitted and gifted by the Holy Spirit unto these offices. Um, and so, obviously, first of all, we, you see the, the aspect that, that these people, whoever is going to be called to these offices, is fitted and gifted by the Holy Spirit. We believe the Holy Spirit enables, empowers men um, to fulfill these offices um, and gives certain uh, you know, abilities or whatever um, just to call these, these men into uh, these places. And then whenever he does it, he calls them by means, it says, of the common suffrage of the church itself. So there's the way that Jesus calls pastors and deacons into uh, to fulfilling these offices is through the local church. Now, this is important because it is possible uh, if you want to. I did this once when I was like in high school or college. You can go online and get ordained if you want to, right, theoretically. Um, but that's not a really um, valid call by Jesus Christ, is it? Um, no. I would hope we would all say no. No. And it's a watering down of it. Yeah. Yep. You know, I've, I've yeah. heard people say, oh, I'm going to do it so I can do this wedding or whatever. Right, mm -hmm. right. Right. And so, no, it says you need to be called through the church. Um, what is the local churches? I guess before we kind of talk about the idea of common suffrage, why is it so important um, for somebody to be called through the church? And notice it doesn't say by some uh, parachurch ministry. It doesn't say you, are, you get to call yourself. Somebody else has to call you and that, that somebody else is a group of people that are organized as a church calls you into ministry. What is the important role of the call of the church on pastors and deacons? Like, why is it important that it's, that it's a local church uh, doing it? And what's their place in this? Well, we would say it's because it's that church that they're going to serve at. Right. Right. We, we believe in local congregation. We believe in congregational authority. And so there's not an oversight above us who's declaring, where in other denominations will have that, yeah. right? They will mm -hmm. have ministers, and they will say who is going where. Correct. Um, and, and in some of those cases, those churches can vote, but they usually will give them a couple to vote from. And right. it's kind of like you've got to choose from these yeah. here. Uh, that's not how we see it. Um, we we uh, call our own pastors. And the church has the authority to do that. And the same thing with the office of deacon. They call who is the deacons in the church. And I think that that's true and right because that is where true testing can take place um, to see if these men are worthy of that of that calling, right, to mm -hmm. be to be ordained in, in that way. And so it's important that it comes from the local church level, which then extends to other things, which we talked about before we started recording. But because it's at the local church level, uh, the local church can also revoke that. Mm -hmm. And so if MNBC didn't want any of us to be pastors, they could vote. And guess what? We're not a pastor anymore. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have the right to say, what's your occupation? Pastor. No, I'm not. 
I'm not a pastor. I'm not a pastor right, right. anymore. And I'm not that then until mm-hmm. a new church would hire me, right? Yeah. And vote for me to be their pastor. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. I mean, I was just going to reiterate that it's a it's a reflection of where we believe final authority in a church stands under Christ, which mm-hmm. is with the congregation itself, not with an elite group of mm-hmm. pastors. They're called under the authority of that local church. And there's, all, I mean, there's scriptural warrant too. I mean, in, in uh, Acts chapter 6, the apostles give direction for mm-hmm. who is to be chosen to be the deacons in that scenario. Um, but it's it's ultimately the church who chooses yeah. the men who are to be appointed to that service. Right, yeah. so there's mm-hmm. there's there's direction that should be given, and rightly so. We have that, those guidelines in Scripture, but there's there's even scriptural warrant of that process. Yeah, yeah, chosen by the church. Exactly, exactly. I think too the the role of of a whole congregation. Um, there's something very earthy about that too, to the point where um, because if you're being ordained by people that you're not actually going to go minister to. If you're being ordained by people that you're not actually that are not actually the flock you're going to serve, um, there's there's a there's a separation of the shepherd or the deacon from the flock, and what we're saying is the people who get to decide who's I shouldn't say, it's not even necessarily their call. It's that Jesus Christ calls these shepherds and deacons through the church. Um, uh, there's there's a very personal element uh, to congregationalism. Um, that I think is is important um, because you've got all of the whole congregation gauging, looking at, um, and living, uh, walking together with these other people to experience uh, uh, life with them, to see um, whether or not they are uh, the 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 men that 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 Christ would have them to uh, serve them in these roles. Um, in these calls. So one of the, the ways it explicitly says is that Christ calls officers by means of the common suffrage of the church itself. Uh, the word, the phrase common suffrage, it, it, the idea here is it's congregational decision determined by the votes of each of its individual members. So it's, it's literally by a congregational vote of all the members of the church. And it doesn't, this means therefore uh, the people who get to call a pastor are not a leadership team within the church. They are not a leadership team outside the church. They are not an individual or individuals outside or inside the church. It is the church as a whole, by virtue of its congregational power, calls men into the roles of pastor and deacon as a whole. Um, one of the verses that... Um, I think, is it is it used in this chapter, one of the proof texts the Baptists used, I think, um, but also one of the big ones is from Acts chapter 14, verse 23. Um, this is whenever Paul and Barnabas are, um, are, are uh, doing ministry in chapter 14 there, uh, ministering and doing missionary work, and it says, And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. And that phrase, they had appointed elders for them. Uh, the word appointed uh, has the idea of, of stretching out your hand, yep. literally voting. So it's saying literally by consent of the congregation, by a congregational vote, these elders were put into place, these pastors, these overseers. Um, John Owen, the famous uh, Puritan, said this, Paul and Barnabas are said to ordain 
uh, elders in the churches by their election and suffrage for the word they're used will admit of no other sense. However, it be ambiguously expressed in our uh, translation. Elsewhere, uh, John Owen again uh, says this, uh, they were chosen by the people, the apostles who were present, namely Paul and Barnabas presiding in the action, directing of it and confirming that by their consent uh, with them. And so um, what is being in uh, what the idea here is we see already in these early churches, these elders are ordained or appointed in these churches by the common suffrage, the common congregational vote of the church. They then call these men uh, to fill uh, this this office. It's very important because uh, the the power to uh, call men to these things, again, does not lie in a group inside or outside the church, but it, it resides solely with the church itself as a whole um, congregation. And of course, there's other verses that we could use to bring in uh, this idea of, of the common suffrage, the, the congregational vote to call pastors. But we believe this is actually something Jesus has ordained. This is not an option, uh, right? This is something that is a non-negotiable. Um, if Jesus ordained that pastors be called this way and deacons be called this way through the common suffrage of a church, then we have to do it today as, as well. Um, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I have a question yeah. about that verse that you read in Acts 14. It says, and there, there's a lot of, of pronouns in here, but when they had appointed mm-hmm. elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord yeah. in whom they had believed. Yeah. So you're saying that that verse properly understood, like in the original language, is an under like the appointed is not referring to Paul appointing elders, but the church is the one who appointed elders because it doesn't read like that in the English. Right, right. And what, well, and this is an interesting thing because the old Baptists who took it from the Congregationalists before that, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, they used this verse to articulate what we're like the common suffrage idea. Um, But you're right, it could have the idea, it it looks like potentially of um, the they could be. Paul and Barnabas, but that's one of the reasons why I think John Owen says, regardless of however ambiguous it sounds, um, the word has the idea of electing or voting. Yeah. So it I could just, be, yeah. yeah, it could be, yeah, it's it, you know, honestly, it is a hard verse to, um, to understand. And I think probably what you're saying is a legitimate also interpretation of that passage. Mm-hmm. It's just, I do know that this was one of the verses though, that was really big. I think for, uh, or the, at least I, there was actually a whole article I found um, online that was talking about the uh, the Baptist use of this verse with congregationalism and mm-hmm. and other things about how it was an important verse, I guess, um, yeah. for them. But you're, but, but to be honest, you are right, Scott. No, I mean, I I completely, obviously agree with the congregational idea. Yeah, I mean, and I think that there's a time where like a precedent has to be set. Yeah. of like initially elders being set up by the apostles or whatever, sure. but. I don't know. That's that's hard. Like with all the they's and them's it is. in that verse of like that's there are times when you're interpreting scripture like it is helpful to know like the Greek and, and yeah. which pronoun is referring to which action and yeah. and who is this and what's going on there and I just yeah I had actually never read that verse understanding that the appointing's being done by the church and yeah. not by the and apostles I th- and I think or Paul I think you you bring up a fair point yeah well, I'm just I know curious. I do I think it's fair. Um, 
So yeah, so the process though overall is uh, is through the common suffrage of the church. Now this is an important thing though when we talk about um, the role of ordination because we had we celebrated um, as we're recording this um, the ordination of three deacons um, last night, and we talked about how one of the things we really appreciated about that was the fact that it really helped I think to convey a an appropriate gravity and um, a dignity to the, the, an honor to the office of, of deacon. Um, and I, I really liked that. And I think we all liked that um, a lot. So ordination ceremonies like that can have, uh, can do that to highlight the, to emphasize the importance, the dignity, the honor of being a pastor or being a, a deacon. Um, but on the other hand, Ordination can be and, and has been, it seems recently, the whole question of who can be ordained has been something of a, of a, of a, a question in Southern Baptist life. Um, and uh, it, it's the, one of the problems here is, is, is in some ways is it's a local church matter, right? So in the SBC, this is very important, right? and it's, we, we have to reiterate it, but the Southern Baptist Convention, of which we are a part of, does not ordain anybody, and no association ordains anybody. Local churches, ultimately, are those who decide how ordination will happen. So there's no, there's no, um, there's no SBC committee that goes around and says, we're going to decide who gets to be ordained in the Southern Baptist Convention or not. Um, so one of the problems with that is it creates it can create um, some diversity or confusion um, about what a pastor is or what uh, what does it mean to be ordained? What is what does the word ordination even mean? Um, because we don't believe it's like um, it's like a, like magic, like it's uh, zapping somebody into a, a new spiritual state where before you didn't have this power, but now because of some something. I mean, you didn't feel that last night when you put hands? Well, hands? I wasn't going to talk about that, but <laughs> I, I did. I did. Did you feel anything last night? I didn't put hands on anybody. Oh, you didn't? I was at the pulpit. Oh. My arms aren't that long. <laughs> you should have. <laughs> I couldn't reach. You weren't even praying. What do you mean? You weren't praying during the ceremony. You could have come down and... No, Larry was. I know. You could have calmed down and... I was thinking of the next task, if I'm being honest. The cake? No. <laughs> the order service. I was trying to get the family. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I was making sure I was getting the families up there next oh, for the yeah. gifts and all yeah. that. Yeah. My mind was wrapped on that. Sure, sure. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I could take families, care, yeah. Take care families, of the situation, yeah. right? Families, yeah. Um, Sorry. No, that's okay. That's okay. Um, also, this has become an issue, though, also in SBC life because of uh, concerns about sexual abuse, about the ordination process of Southern Baptist churches being a weak spot, especially when it comes to protecting congregations from uh, sexual predators. So there's, there's actually an entire new article that I've got referenced there that you can read about where there's been concerns about just how is ordination understood in our family of churches and uh, how we can better... Um, I'll use the word vet, um, uh, potential candidates for pastors or deacons uh, to protect those who are vulnerable or at risk in our congregations. And that's an important issue. 
Um, and then lastly, also, you got the question of uh, ordination with women, because in 2021, um, obviously, this is not a this is by far the minority in the SBC, I would say. But there was one very big church, Saddleback Church, Rick Warren. Um, that is an SBC congregation. I think are they still technically an SBC congregation? Technically, yeah. Technically, they still are ordained three women as pastors. So not simply called them pastors, but actually ordained them. Again, this this brings up the question about ordination um, and such. Is there anything else, Scott? You're much more in tune with the SBC than I am about these issues. I think they're teaching pastors woman now. I think you're right. Yeah. It's a couple, and I just it's know that like. As far as I understand, nothing's been done at the national level. That's not to say that any association they're part of or state right. convention hasn't taken action. That's a good point. Because um, those are different entities that exist. But, yeah, I mean, I think the the issue that's being brought up about ordination and its connection to sexual abuse is just a recognition that the autonomy of the local church and the, the freedom that every church has to ordain, to make their own decisions— about who they ordain and how they ordain, and the fact that it's not necessarily required for Southern Baptist churches to cooperate through that process or to all agree upon that process leaves a big, a big uh, vulnerability of men who are appointed to ministry that have at times gone from church to church to church um, abusing people. Yeah. And anytime it gets brought up of like, well, why were they con- allowed to be in ministry? And it's, it's seen as because there is a, there's not a strong connection between ordination and the local church that they were mm-hmm. ordained in. It's kind of just seen as a credential mm-hmm. that follows you around for the rest of your life. Let me ask you this question. Mm-hmm. So, and you guys would know, I mean, is it possible in an SBC church to be the pastor of a church but to be unordained. I don't think our confession says anything about ordaining. Okay, so, so I think probably it's possible. So it's, uh, those words are not. So it's possible mm-hmm. to accept a call to a church and be a pastor, but in so, at least in some people's eyes, not be ordained. I think that gets down to the question of what does it mean to be ordained? Yes. Mm-hmm. And what does that process look like? And because that's not a... Because that's not specifically laid out in the Baptist faith and message, I think there's people who have different opinions about that, and one could say no, because in their mind, you're not a pastor. It does reference pastors, Mm -hmm. and in some people's mind, you're not a pastor if you've not been ordained. Mm -hmm. And what they're thinking is of a certain ceremony and a process, but then there's others who would say, no, by a church asking you to be their pastor, you are therefore ordained. I guess, And so the fact that there's freedom among churches to right. think about this process differently. The answer, the answer to the question, is it possible? Yeah. I guess one of the things too, I'm thinking about, is it possible then for a church to say, we, yeah, we have women pastors, but they're not ordained. As a mean to justifying. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah it's kind of like, yeah. I mean, I, I know I'm creating hypotheticals here, sure. but I mean, so yeah, I mean, technically, yeah, that would be possible. I guess I think there's rampant inconsistencies in that. Yeah, of course. You know, and that's what needs to be figured out because, I mean, that's um, like a lot of times that's what you'll find, not even among, like you mentioned, Saddleback and ordaining a female to be a pastor. Mm -hmm. Um, Before you even get to that point, what you have are women serving in roles that fulfill the function of pastor. Yeah. Like preaching 
and teaching in many different roles. And that's a that's a challenge then because like even though you don't have the title right. of pastor or you don't have the you've not been through the ordination ceremony of pastor, you're still fulfilling the function of a pastor. Yeah, because and, that was one of uh Correct me if I'm wrong, but that was one of Rick Warren's arguments, right? It was almost yeah. like women can do the verb yeah. of pastoring yeah. without being a noun pastor, pastor yeah. Yeah. right? That and so, he saw that there's a—what he was, I think, specifically trying to differentiate was that there's a difference between the spiritual gift of pastoring, which I don't think that's a biblical understanding, right? and a um, and the, the office right. of pastor— which that was the first time I'd ever heard anybody say that. But normally, what's get what gets designated is that there's a difference between small p pastors and capital P mm. senior pastor. That's what most Southern Baptist churches who mm. think it's okay for women to be in a lot of different areas of ministry would say that. Well, they're not the senior pastor; they're the children's pastor, or children's or the pastor, whatever, or something like that. Yeah. And that's where not having clear language about those things uh, gets really in, in some kind of confession gets really confusing, which the argument against that has been in, in the people who wrote the most uh, up to date form of the Baptist faith and message. The term for pastor was not like when it says that pastors, it does say pastors are men, but when that term was used pastor, it was understood by everybody who wrote it. It's a universal term. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not seen. It's not qualified by senior pastor or executive pastor or mm-hmm. whatever else like that. Like we commonly use. So that's that's some of what the the issue is. Right. And the SBC is try, trying to take steps to clarify that. Right. You know, because of that situation. And, and obviously, I want to say real quick, like what you're, what we've been talking about. We don't all agree with what that's. We're not saying we agree with all of that. Of, with all those viewpoints that we've been talking about, we're just trying to talk though about this is kind of the reason why this is a pertinent question mm-hmm. um, uh, in our in our in our situation um, and in our midst. So um, ordination, um, uh, this is kind of thing. The Baptist uh, Confession of Faith says that ordination happens. So the church is to be chosen, or the pastor or deacon is chosen by the common suffrage of the church, solemnly set apart by fasting and prayer, with imposition of hands of the eldership of the church, if there are any before constituted therein. Um, this seems to be uh, rooted from the passages um, in the the pastoral epistles and in Acts. Um, where we see the deacons were set apart by laying on of hands in Acts 6. Um, and in 1 Timothy, I think it is, or 2 Timothy, where Paul tells him about uh, the fact that, you know, you the hands were laid upon you, Timothy, by the presbytery or the eldership, uh, the pastoral team um, in, those, in that church or whatever have you. Um, and so this has been the standard... Uh, custom and ceremony um, that most churches, whether they're Baptist or not, have used to indicate um, someone being called and set aside to either the pastoral office or the deacon office. Now, there are differences in the sense of when we when we lay hands on people, it's, um, it's not like um, the Catholics or the uh, even like the Episcopal Church, where sometimes there's this idea of apostolic secession where there's a tracing a line all the way back to like Peter 
And Jesus yeah, I mean, we goes ours goes further back to John the Baptist. Yes, so there ours you go. Is better, anyways. Well, that, thank you, thank you, Scott. That's why we are Baptists. Um, I, wow, you can't argue with that logic. No, you can't. it goes even farther. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Um, and then John the Baptist had hands laid on him by his father, who was a Levitical priest. Oh, and so then it goes go. all the way back, yeah, to Aaron and Moses. And mm-hmm. yeah, there's a there's a creation. Um, uh, Everybody listening to this is actually probably going to go Google that. <laughs> Google that now. <laughs> is that true? Uh, is that true? Wow. Our church is awesome. Um, uh, so so that's been the standard uh, ceremony uh, whereby people have been upheld and, and recognized. It is worth pointing out, however, that whenever Jesus ordained the apostles, he didn't do that by laying on of hands, and nor did he do it with the 70. Um, he didn't lay hands on any of those men, um, we're told. So laying on of hands is a worthy custom and a worthy practice for a church to have. But I think on the other hand, we don't believe it's, as I think Pastor Tim pointed out earlier, uh, maybe off recording, it's not magical either in the sense of there's no apostolic succession, you know, or you're getting zapped or I did feel that power, but, um, but we don't normally think that happens. It doesn't normally happen. That may have happened just because I was, I had my hand on Nathaniel and maybe, maybe he had some static electricity or something. Yeah. Static. Um, uh, that shocked me, but so, um, ordination. And I think this is worthy of, of consideration. Uh, John Gill who was a uh, Baptist minister in the 1700s, uh, he said ordination, he says He says this, he says election and ordination are spoken of as the same. The latter is expressed and explained by the former. Earlier he says, the essence of ordination lies in the voluntary choice and call of the people and in the voluntary acceptance of that call by the person chosen and called. For this affair must be by mutual consent and agreement, which joins them together as pastor and people. So at the heart of ordination still, whatever ceremony is used is the, if you want to use the marriage, the marriage of pastor or deacon with the congregation. There's almost like this, this marriage ceremony or this, this reality. And the core of that is consent on both parts. And that's really what we're trying to ask. Will you pastor these people? Will you submit to this pastor? And, and uh, or with the same thing with with the call of of deacons um, as as well. And I think this is important because sometimes what is essential in ordination, which is the call of the church and the acceptance of that call, can be sidelined and something else can be put in its place. And so we've we've talked about how sometimes people will say, well, I'm a pastor, but they're not actually pastoring a church. It'd be kind of like me saying, kind of like um, one of the former presidents saying, yeah, I'm still the president. Well, no, you were the president. Don't they maintain that title, though? They are called Mr. President, but they're no longer functioning that way. Oh, okay. Yeah, good, good point, Scott. I'm just thank, thank, thank you. I'm sorry. Thank you. I know you, 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 you play the, the devil's advocate very well. <laughs> no, Emphasis I was on just devil. Curious. I was like, I don't um, think that's true or not. not angels. Advocate. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I don't think it's true. Um, and so it's very important, I think, to highlight that because strictly speaking, you're not a pastor. If you're not pastoring somebody, you're not a husband. If you're not married to a wife, um, you're not a, a president. If you're not in office still with your call, mm-hmm. uh, similarly, you, you're technically in the most strictest sense. You're not a, you're not a pastor. If you're not the, a pastor is what a shepherd, what's a shepherd without a sheep. Mm-hmm. 
without the sheep. So, I mean, if you don't have a flock that you're overseeing, um, and there's, but the reality is there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing sinful about that. It's just being, I think, very precise with the terminology. I think that's helpful because what we're seeing is we're able to really closely tie together the role of church and, and office, um, um, in that. So any thoughts, Tim, I see you glazed over. I think you did a good job with that. I think you're warm in this office room right now. It's it a is warm. It's, it's a little warm. Yeah. I just ate lunch. Yeah. Yeah. The podcast after lunch is always. Yeah. And you have a so- and you have a soothing voice. I know. So. It's like it's like <laughs> butter. It's like butter. <laughs> so that all those combined. Courtney says that a lot. She's like, "Wow, your voice." Yeah. <laughs> That's why no, you're I'm doing. joking. That's she really doesn't. That's like, really no, <laughs> Scott. <laughs> maybe when you first got together, maybe. No, no. She no. heard him. Sing. She's tired of me already. <laughs> Come on. So, you're still a husband. You still have that office. Yeah, I still have that office mm-hmm. till death do us part. Yes, that's right. After that, she's on her own. <laughs> you're assuming you're going first. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anything else to say? Anything you want to add? Uh, I think what you said is true. Okay. I think that permeates the SBC where we call people pastors who are not pastors. Mm-hmm. We'll see people in denominational roles and we'll call them pastors. And mm-hmm. it's like, what church do you pastor? Well, I don't. Well, then why are we calling you a pastor? I think it right pushes down. I mean, it'd be kind of like me. It'd be kind of yeah. like me getting ordained as a seminary president. And they're like, well, what seminary are you president of? I'm not, but I'm just a seminary president just like you. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you know, it just doesn't make sense. Um, but it, that does happen, you know? We yeah. Even like, uh, yeah. That happens. It does happen. So, all right. Well, on that note, Scott. Did you read that thing by Juan Sanchez already? Juan I did not read it. Would you like to read it? I thought I, I include, I didn't. It's good, actually. Yeah. Well, I just good. think it's it's kind of just it's showing helpful. it's another pastor in Austin, Texas, who An is SBC in the SEC, who, in thinking about the same thing that we've been saying, he just says, in our context, we don't have ordination services. He said, the church recognizes, based on the testing from the elders and observation of the congregation, that once someone is presented to the congregation as pastor, that person is the pastor. Ordination, as he's seen it, seems to give someone a title or office divorced from the local church context. I'll give you an example, he said. I'm not just one of the pastors at High Point, or I'm just one of the pastors at High Point, but if I were to move away and get another job, I'm no longer a pastor because I'm no longer shepherding a local church. The way ordination is used today, once I leave, I would still be carrying the title of pastor because I'm ordained. The point, he explained, is that the office of pastor is intimately connected to the local church. This bears itself out in how many many typically find their next pastor. Mm -hmm. I mean, so like that reiterated much of what we just said, but I just think that's... That's helpful to yeah. hear. And I think, I think it just, yeah, whatever, whatever. And I think like, so in our ordination ceremonies, we just really want to highlight the close connection and the marriage uh, between the local church and her officers that she has selected um, in this really, in a sense, marriage ceremony of sorts between the two. Um, so, okay. Well, we will, uh, we will go on that note. Um, I'm going to go home tonight, and I don't know if I'll watch some rugby or not. You're not going to rewatch that really weird series? Dr. Death? Yeah, Yeah. don't get back surgery. Because you might end up... Not planning on it. You might 
Yeah, especially well, don't we? He's he's in jail now. I so, heard. Yeah, Christopher Dunch, Doctor Doctor Dunch, Doctor Dunch. He still holds that title. Yes, he's got a PhD and an MD. Yeah, he's yeah from Tennessee. He's a, he he did his fellowship at the from the University of Tennessee. Yes, well, that's a problem. <laughs> so yeah. He's he's a volunteer. Well, he, he went to some school in Memphis, but then it is fellowship there. So, oh. yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back with you next week. Take care. God bless.